Welcome to Paranormal the New Normal. This week, I am very excited to have Eleanor Wagner on my show from Eleanor Wagner's, and I'm going to mess this up, but creepy and I'm going to let her finish it because she can tell you about herself better than I can tell you about her. Eleanor, how are you doing tonight? Hi, world. How are you? Thank you for having me here. I'm Eleanor Wagner. I am an author first. I've written four books, one a paranormal romance, but three that are true account hauntings in the Sussex, uh, Sussex County, New Jersey area where I live and the Warren County right beside us. And that's how I started my podcasts, which are Eleanor Wagner's Strange and Scary World, which is out of the Paranormal UK radio network. And then there's Eleanor Wagner's Creeping It Real on the Coast to Coast Network Live. I do have a paranormal team, which I founded in 2019, and they are called the Lady Ghostbusters. And that is where I get a lot of the stories from the chapters in my books. I love that name, by the way. I heard that in another podcast you're on, and I do love that name for a team. It's perfect. Thank you. It just, just came and it stuck. But I do have men on my team, believe it or not, Jeremy. I have a lot of men who just consider themselves paranormal investigators, but the Lady Ghostbusters. So it works. And I've actually heard of that team before. I don't know where, but I know I've heard of it before I looked into your life a little bit. I know I heard that term. I don't know where, but but is Melissa McCarthy on your team or no? Melissa McCarthy. No. <laughs> Maybe she says we're a team of lady ghostbusters because I did a lot of research to find out if anybody else oh. had that team. Well, and, then I ended, and then I ended up trademarking the name. So <laughs> well, I was that that was an offhand joke to the actress who was in the all female Ghostbusters movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, not my team. I wish she was. I would love to <laughs> love to have her be a part of it, but no. <laughs> yeah, it'd be it, you know, it'd be entertaining, that's for sure. The thing I wonder the most is though, if you're based in New Jersey, how'd you get on a UK network? I happen to know a gentleman. Well, you meet a lot of people in the yeah. paranormal industry. One reaches out to another, refers you to another. And um, somebody, a friend of mine had actually planted the seed about starting a podcast. She said, you know, you should really have a podcast. And it kind of stuck because I do have audio books for my books and I do have narrators uh, who do the books. And I said, you know what, I should find out if I become a podcaster and I have my own equipment, can I do the own narrating on my books? Because I know a lot of people like to listen to the author read their own book. And so it kind of went hand in hand. And I was like, you know what? what the heck, I'll do it. So I talked to this gentleman that I had been speaking to about other different things. And he said, Oh, I'll, I'll help you get your role, your equipment and everything that you need in order. And I'm like, cool, great. So he really talked me through everything and, and got me from soup to nuts started. And then he had mentioned something in a comment. He said, you know, my network is always looking for another show. And it kind of looks like, Hmm. Well, I said, Mark, who can I pitch my idea to. And he goes, me, I own 50% of the company. <laughs> so I was like, wow, okay. So I did, I pitched my idea and he loved it. And so that's how I got on Paranormal UK. And um, it's been a great experience and I never expected to be hit up by another network, but they asked if I had ever thought about doing a live show, which is extremely difficult because with the Paranormal UK, it's pre-recorded, which has its advantages and disadvantages. I mean, I, I love the pre-recorded aspect because I can prep and I can cut out anything that's a, a, a mistake mm -hmm. and cut down out 
all that background noise and what have you. But that takes me like six hours to edit one episode. So that's the part that really drives me nuts. But with the live, I mean, you have to really have your shit in order and then know that it's going to have glitches and things are going to happen. And you kind of have to sweep it under the rug and say, okay, next time I'll be better at it. And um, that's exactly, you know, where I'm at. I mean, we have our, we have our issues when I do a show and the techie guy and I are really working to get those glitches out. But for me, if the content is enough for the people to come and listen and they're liking what we put out and what, what they're watching, because obviously it's live, they can watch. And so we put paranormal clips and photos and audio footage and stuff. That's the kind of stuff that you want for them to be interested in. And if it's bringing them back and they don't mind the nonsense that might happen while the show is on until we get all those ducks in order, I just keep on moving face forward. Yeah. The, the live network you're on, um, they don't have a show called WT freak live. Do they? I'm sorry. I don't know. I know uh, that they deal specifically in sports, a lot of sports, uh, Okay, okay. which I thought was strange that they had said, well, we're looking for a paranormal show and we don't have one. So I'm sure that they have other shows and other genres, but I'm just not aware of them because I always see wrestling and some sort of other. Okay. okay. When I, when I checked in last to see how they felt about the show so far, because we're only going into show four program four. And he said, no, it's being well-received and they're loving what I'm doing and they want me to keep at it. So that's what I'll do. Yeah. The only reason I asked is I actually auditioned on a live show called WT freak live. It's a paranormal type show. And unfortunately I didn't get the gig, but why don't you tell us about some of your paranormal experiences, pick whichever ones you like. I have no preference. Sure. I've been sensitive as a child and I grew up in the Bronx in Throg's Neck in New York. And I lived with a ghost in the house that I grew up in. And I was a real small child at the time and really didn't know exactly what was going on and was afraid of it and had a mom who just kind of poo-pooed it and said, oh, it's just a dream. And so that's how I dealt with it. It was a dream that I had to just kind of deal with. And obviously now that I'm an adult, I know that it was a spirit that was just trying to get my attention because he knew that I could see him. And if I could go back to that home today and tell him I was sorry, I would. But obviously there's nothing I can do about that. So that was the first indication that I had some sort of ability. And then as I was going through childhood, I would have premonitions of different sorts. And it was kind of like inconsequential things until something that was pretty scary ended up happening. And when I had the first dream about it, I told mom. And again, she said, ah, it was just a nightmare. Don't worry about it. And then it came true. I was about 11 or 12 when that happened and scared the bejesus out of me because here I knew something was going to happen. And at that age, I kind of blamed myself because I felt like it was something that I could have prevented and done something about. But obviously now as an adult, I know that's not true, but you're talking to a young kid who was feeling that at the time. And so I kind of shut down everything that I had been experiencing after that. And then it wasn't until I was 30 when I had this reawakening moment the day my dad died. He ended up coming to me and letting me know that he was okay. I was on my way to the Bronx 
to be with him in the hospital and was in bumper to bumper traffic on the GW bridge when I saw this movie screen open up in front of my eyes and this full-fledged movie ended up unfolding. Obviously it was just minutes long, but it felt like it was an entire movie that I watched. And by the time it was over, I knew that my, my dad was gone and that he was okay. And then I knew, okay, I definitely got something going on and I need to embrace it and go with it and try and learn more about it and what I'm supposed to do with it. And so from that point on, I was not afraid of receiving messages and believing because obviously some people will knock you down and say, oh, that's bullshit. You know, there's no such thing, but you, you know, I'm not, out, I'm not out to convince anybody. I mean, I'm who I am. It happens to me. I know it does. If you don't believe it, I really don't care. All I have to care is about what I know. And that's all that matters. And then the rest is history. I just knew I had this ability. I've been learning about it ever since. But as far as the writing is concerned, I've always been a writer and I've always been fascinated with the paranormal and ghosts and horror and things of that sort. So when I went to writing, even though I went to school to write for children, believe it or not, and I do have a children's series in the makes, I ended up really steering my attention towards horror and paranormal. And when I wrote my first book, which is called Dream a Little Dream, it really is along the lines of a Stephen King, Dean Koontz saga. It's one of those scary things that has a romantic edge that keeps you on the edge of your seat. And I was in the midst of writing my second one when I got distracted and took an entirely different direction and decided to write my story and the haunting stories of other people in the community where I live. So when this idea came up, I said, you know, I know Sussex County where I live is haunted because at the time I had owned uh, an antique shop, consignment shop that was haunted. And I shared the building with a ghost. And I thought, well, I know this building's haunted. So I know there's going to be plenty of other buildings and properties in the area that are haunted. I wonder if there's anybody else out there that would like to share their story with me. So social media, the wonderful platform that it is, yes, I used yeah. it to reach out to the public and said, hey, I'm an author, I'm writing this book. Do you have a haunting story in this area that you'd like to share? And when I made that post, my phone did not stop for weeks. People just kept coming through with their stories and I just kept writing them down. And it didn't just happen for Sussex County. I was getting stories for Warren County and Morris County and Pike County and Passaic County. And those are all counties surrounding where I live. And I thought, well, I'm going to start accumulating these stories because eventually I'm going to get enough that's going to create a book. And so that's where my Warren County Hauntings book came in last October because I had so many stories for that area. I thought I'd write an edition for them. And that came out this past Halloween. So I have Sussex County Hauntings and Other Strange Phenomena 1 and 2. Two came out during COVID because I had so much time on my hands. Of course. And then Warren okay. County. Warren County Hauntings and Other Strange Phenomena, which came out last Halloween. I added the Other Strange Phenomena category because when I was writing that first book in 2019, people in the area were sending me the stories about Bigfoot and UFO sightings. And though they're not necessarily ghost 
stories of hauntings, they're still paranormal. And so I thought, well, I'm going to add chapters called Other Strange Phenomena so I can put these great stories into the book. And it worked out to my benefit because I've done that with every other book since. And it's opened up a world of opportunities for me. Like, for example, in the second book, I wrote about people's accounts of when they're with their loved ones at their time of death, which are very poignant stories. And then I wrote about people's stories when they get visits from their deceased loved ones. Amazing stories. When I was writing Warren County Hauntings, I wrote about near-death experiences because when people die for several minutes, you wonder what they've experienced and what happens to them when they come back. Incredible stories. And so now with the book that I'm writing now, Sussex County Hauntings Part 3, I'm writing about reincarnation. And I've done extensive research on it. And I'm just really, really a sponge for this shit and, and loving every minute of it and can't wait to put it out in the book when it comes out. Yeah, I mean, well, I was going to say, if you're in New Jersey and you're not talking about Bigfoot, then <laughs> there's something missing there because New Jersey is a huge, I, I first and foremost am a, book, a Bigfoot lover. I mean, I, mm-hmm. well, put it this way, I ne- growing up, I was scared shitless of horror movies and stuff like that. Like I avoided it like the plague and, (laughs) but I loved even when I was in elementary school, going to the school library and taking out books on cryptids and like Mm -hmm. Bigfoot, uh, God Yeti. Cause at that time they weren't really combined into one category. They were just still separate entities and -hmm. just all the other ones as well. I mean, I'm can't, for some reason, Oh, Loch Ness monster. I mean, all the ones that they knew about in the 90s that were big. I mean, now that list has grown exponentially with internet. Yeah. I mean, and well, first question I got is, and we'll, I'm definitely bringing this up later during Creature Feature, but any stories about the Jersey Devil in there since you're in Jersey? No, believe it or not. I mean, it's not, it's for not, not for lack of trying. It's just that people have not come out of the, the uh, woodwork to tell me about them. I know I live right by High Point State Park, which is very active as far as Bigfoot is concerned. And the pines are essentially the place that I know the New Jersey devil has been sighted, but I've left it open for anybody who wanted to share and nobody has. So whenever I do make those posts, uh, I update them. I kind of say, okay, now I'm on three and I'm working on this, that, and the other thing. Do you have anything you want to share that's going to fit into these chapters? And then people start telling me. And of course, you always have those random people that say, no, I don't have anything about this, but I do have a story about blah, blah, blah. And so essentially I'll write it down and put it into whatever folder it suits. But I still have not gotten anything on the New Jersey Devil or Hooker Man. Hooker Man seems to be another... Um, ghosts that people have heard about a lot i mean other than just like oh i was on the railroad tracks and i saw a light you know that to me is sure that's hooker man but it's not that interesting to me i the stories that i write have something that happens that's going to be like an eye opener and your mouth is going to be dropping like wow that's so cool. Exactly. So, you know, if you've been on the tracks at night and you just were walking randomly and all of a sudden this light appeared and, and you try tracing it down and it disappeared, it's still not enough for me to say. Oh, it's something you you're talking about. Yeah. So, 
yeah okay i just got what you're i just realized what you're talking about and like you're talking about like ghost lights or orbs or one of the thousand yeah. other thousand, one well there's this, this story about this guy hooker man who supposedly was a railroad employee who lost his limb on the tracks and when he died he still walks the tracks and they people have known to see his lantern at night while they're walking along the tracks yeah okay I, but you know I, I need something more substantial than that yeah like, i mean that sounds more like an urban legend than a ghost than an actual ghost encounter you know, it, it's been recorded so many times I, I know that um weird new jersey has written about it so i really don't want to waste any paper on saying the same thing that they've said. I like to try and tell stories that people have not heard about yet or in addition to. So if somebody has already written about, say, the captain's house in Vernon, that's great, but now I'm gonna tell you about what I've heard about it. And so I'll bring new stories to the forum that have not been written about yet. So it's okay to write about something that's already been written about, say the Vernon Inn. The Vernon Inn, everyone keeps on asking me that. Why haven't you written about the Vernon Inn? Because nobody's told me anything yet. <laughs> and, now, and now I'm on book three. And it's like I said, it's not for lack of trying. I mean, I tried and tried. I'm like, please, I even talked to the original owner. Please tell me about it. And nothing. So it wasn't until recently when I've been working on three, I've been working on the story about the Daily Bean, which is the old cider mill house in Vernon and people have been coming out. And I've got such great stories. We, my paranormal team did an investigation and then we had some great stuff happen. And so now I just want to build upon what I have and people are telling me about it. And so of course that story is going to be a chapter in the book. And, and out of that, people have said, well, what about the Vernon Inn? I'm like, well, do you have something to tell me? So I've gotten like, I've gotten like a, a little tidbit of stuff and I'll hold on to it and, and go with it when it becomes more. But I want my chapters to be full of interesting things aside from the history because people love the history and they love the pictures that I put in there because I do put pictures of the buildings and, and, and post on my website any kind of audio or video that we unearth. But I still want to fill those chapters with stories that are going to entertain. That, that happened to people. And so um, I do have a few now of the Vernon Inn, but it's still a story in the making. <laughs> yeah, I completely get what you're saying because it's like when I started this podcast, I basically put out posts looking for people who are able to give me different topics. And yes, I do have someone on coming on this podcast who is a hunter of the Loch Ness Monster which I cannot wait for that one because I've been obsessed with Loch Ness since I, since I was a child. But may, may I ask you how old you are, Jeremy? I will be 34 next week. Okay, well, I'm 57. And I grew up with this show called In Search Of mm -hmm. with Leonard, Leonard Nimoy was the narrator. I've seen them and all. I remember growing up with that original Bigfoot picture and the Loch Ness Monster. And I remember being so fascinated and excited about it. So I know where you're coming from. Like, I know if you grew up with that, I know exactly what you're talking about because that's where I was when I was a kid. And so, yeah, I'll be listening for that show. I'd love to hear what he has to say. She, uh, she actually, but. Uh, I would love to hear what she has to say. Cool. Yeah, and I'm actually I'm still trying to lock down a date with her. We've we've talked back and forth. I'm just still trying to lock down a date, and unfortunately now she's not going to get locked in until at least August because I am booked out till August. 
but oh good for you oh it's it's a good it's a great thing but i i mean i'm trying to find variety that's the thing i mean i i would love to find someone who actually has had like bigfoot encounters for years and can talk about it i'll connect you with somebody that has beautiful when when we're here when we're done here just um remind me and i'll connect you with two people okay yeah, I also like I like I talk a lot on this show about um well I used to think it was I, I, I keep getting the website wrong, but I actually posted it in the show notes for last episode because I was mm-hmm. trying I was telling Glenn about it and it's called North America it's it's called North American Dogman Project. Oh, okay. Right. And and I've been I, I'm in the process of trying to reach out to them to get a couple of the founders of the website to come on and talk about experience that it, they had to help them start this site which for those, for my listeners is called North American dog men project. And that's the name of the website NADP. And cause I, ke- I kept saying it was like dogman sightings.com or something like that. And I had a feeling mm-hmm. I was wrong. So I finally Googled it again. Cause I haven't looked at it in a few years. And I mean, I love dogmen's one of my favorite cryptids. I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard of monsters among us podcast. No, it's a podcast by a man who lives out in California now, originally from Ohio, named Derek Hayes. And he, it's basically a call, a call-in podcast where people call in their stories and he just plays their stories and comments on them. And it's a great show. It's been on for seven, eight years now. Amazing show. And that's one of the things that he features a lot, a lot of dogman calls in that show. And mm. ever since I started hearing about them, because before that, before I heard the name dogmen, I only knew the term werewolves, which I don't like. Because werewolves is makes you think of the old classic movies and legends of, oh, it has to be a full moon. Oh, silver can kill them. With dogmen, none of that's necessarily true. No one really, right. no, no one really knows what their abilities are. Which, I mean, I always bring these two up. I mean, the Beast of Bray Road fascinates me to no end, and the Beast of the Land Between the Lakes in Michigan fascinates me to no end because that one is gruesome and bloody. A lot of those stories about that. One. And it's just interesting. I mean, I almost want to go to Michigan to try to go see the land between the lakes, but part you of me should. you should have a pilgrimage and do that. You should, especially if you're in this field, you'd you'd probably love it. You know, I, I would love it, but I would also never want to be outside there at night just because of the stories right. I've heard. I mean, there are actual police records. Of- no fear. You have to have no fear. But like I said, I was never into horror as a kid, so I do have fear. I just started for my for my other podcast. We just did a halfway to Halloween horror comedy and horror franchise bracket. So I watched a bunch of movies that I refused to watch as a kid because I was so scared of them, like Gremlins. I never watched Gremlins because I thought it would scare me. Oh my gosh, that's like one of my all time favorites. <laughs> I, lo- I love that movie. Now that I watched it, I realize it's a comedy more than a freaking like scary movie. But well, you know, they they pre- they are pretty creepy. But um, my 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 puppy, that's my puppy. If you can see him, his yeah. name is Giz- his name is Gizmo because <laughs> he looks like Gizmo. Kind of, yeah, I can see the resemblance. My daughters used to like mess with him all the time and put like the soundtrack for Gizmo and make videos of him kind of acting like Gizmo. Of course. The- <laughs> Gizmo, not the bad version of the Gremlins, but <laughs> so yeah, they've they we've been watching that movie since they were kids. 
Yeah. See, neither of my parents were ever really horror fans, so that's just that's part of the reason I never got into it. Is my if, if it's all about if your parents are fans or not. Like my step. You ask, you ask my kids, what movie do you remember most from when you were kids? And they'll say Stephen King's It. <laughs> before the movie, before the movie came out, what a couple of years ago? Stephen Seven. King had. What time was it? When was it? The first one came out in 2017. The second one came out in 2019. Okay, but before that, the long ni- ago. The 1990 before- miniseries with Tim Curry, yeah. There you go. I recorded it on video, and we watched it. <laughs> and they were so addicted. It was like we watched it all the time. We had company over the house. We watched the miniseries. And so they grew up terrified of uh, Pennywise. But I was here's a, a fun tidbit of information. I was a children's party clown for over 30 years. And because really? of my, affili- my affiliation and obsession with Stephen King and it, my clown was called Penny Whistle, not Pennywise, because I was a good clown. I was a children's party clown. So my kids weren't afraid of Penny Whistle, but they were terrified of Pennywise. So, See, the funny thing is my stepkids nowadays, ever, they're five, there's, the youngest is turning five on Saturday and the oldest just turned eight last month. And their mother is a huge horror fan. So when the new it came out in 2017, she watched it and the older one was in the room. They were both in the room at the time. The younger one was a baby. So she really didn't see it because she wasn't really watching the TV like that, but the older one saw it. So that became a scare tactic for years for him. Whenever we wanted him to do something or listen to us, Pennywise is coming. And I even would, Terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> hey, these days as a parent, you got to use what you can use. <laughs> oh, and I, I even would. Okay. I'm actually, I'm actually going to do this and I can't believe I'm doing this on my show, but hiya, Jerry, I'm downstairs looking for you. Like that was, that's my Pennywise voice. And I would use it constantly and it would scare the crap out of them. Jeremy down here. Everybody floats. Oh, trust me. <laughs> Trust me, after after I saw the first It movie, um, I didn't see the first one. I, I did see the first one in theaters, yeah. After I saw the first new one in theaters, which, first of all, I drove. this is the first like real scary movie I've seen in a theater ever because I just wanted to see it because it's a Stephen King book and I love Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And so the whole way driving home from the theater, I'm looking in my back seat constantly thinking Pennywise is going to pop out my back seat or something or that he was <laughs> following me home. And I, this is, this is 2017. So I'm 29 at this point. Kudos to Tim Curry. He's the man. Oh, no, this is this was the new one with. Um, I know, but uh, he was good, too. That was Alexander Skarsgård's brother who played the one in the Bill, new one. But Bill Skarsgård, yeah. Tim Curry was just the mm. bomb. I've seen the original, too. And I got to say, I, the new one. Little... It's creepier. It's oh. creepier, but. You know, he had big shoes to step in. Yes, he did. Sure. Yes, he did. Because Tim Curry's a legend. I love him in a lot of things he's done. But I mean, just I mean, it's it's also the time. I mean, it's just upgrade. It's updated graphics, updated everything they can do. Everything they could do nowadays in movies. And just so you know, uh, Tim Curry's version of Pennywise is really Stephen King's depiction of Pennywise. The new version of Pennywise is not what's written in the book. Oh, I I. I Seeing that movie in 2017 is what made me start reading Stephen King books in chronological oh. in chronological order. What'd and you start with? Carrie, of course. 
Okay. Yeah. That was my first one too. <laughs> and now you've read a lot of them. I, I, I did for years. And then I recently moved into a house with my girlfriend and her kids. And since then, my time I have to read things has gone down dramatically. <laughs> did you read The Shining? Yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. I mean, I read. Haunted. So you read The Haunted Hotel. Did you see the movie? The original Jack Nicholson one, of course. Yeah. Okay. Were you uh, as pissed off as I was about oh, it? Oh, oh, God. I, it is literally a theme to watch movies based on Stephen King books and be pissed off because they don't follow everything in the book. No, I mean, never mind that. They used a name and made up a story because the, in The Shining, the main thing about The Shining is the boiler. Everybody has to think about the boiler and yeah. boiler in its timing because yeah. that's the main thing about the book, okay? But they killed off the hero in the movie. It's like, how could you kill off the hero? He saves the day. And that really pissed me off. So when I walked out of that movie and I'm going, you have Jack Nicholas on this movie and you F it up like you did. Like I was so pissed. And so apparently with Stephen King, because he later went on to create his mini series and did it just like he wrote it. And that in itself was, and then, you know, definitely something that I waited for and was thrilled to watch because when everybody tells me, oh, I love The Shining. I'm like, bullshit. It's nothing like the book. Oh, God, it's no. God, no. Yeah. But if you ask me, like, what's your favorite Stephen King books? My favorite book is The Stand. Stand comes first. Mm -hmm. and, and then I have, um, I do like The Shining. And then there is a few others that fall right down in line. But I've uh, always been, you know, he was one I grew up with. The Stand is definitely in my top five of his books. I read that. I read that as well. I love that book. I haven't finished the new miniseries they did on CBS All Access yet. And I want he knew. Uh it was they came out last year, I believe, with no way. C CBS All Access did a new miniseries of the stand with um oh, I I Whoopi Goldberg was in it, right? Yeah, I didn't watch it because she was in it. I was pissed off at her. Well, but uh well, this is I mean, this is before the whole Whoopi Goldberg thing happened, but no, but I just no, I uh, haven't liked her ever since she's been on the view, she sucks. She's just a, a lion. Yeah, but anyway, I watched the original one that came out in the 90s. The Rob Lowe one, yeah. And it was excellent. Excellent. And um, Trying to find a place I, to watch that nowadays is hard. Yeah, I imagine so. I had it on video, but I don't have a VCR anymore, so I can't watch it. Yeah. I mean, because the new one actually has one of the Skarsgård brothers in it. Because apparently for everything Stephen King now, there has to be a Skarsgård brother in it. Oh, really? <laughs> but, and I will tell you this, though. Whoopi Goldberg, I mean, she, you know what role she plays, I assume. Because, I mean, of her, yeah. of her age. She's not, she's, not, she's not old enough either. But she also, lot. it's a very, very small role. And she is on screen very little for the episodes I did see so far. So, mm. just so you know, I mean, it's, you definitely should watch it. It's a, so, from what I've seen, it's an amazing one. The, the dark man, the, I forget who plays him, but he plays him perfectly. Like, um, he matches up with the book so perfectly. Really? It's just... I, uh. Yeah, that, that, that book is just so good. Oh, my gosh. It just... Uh, that I just book, love that book. All right. I'll, the Stand is one of my favorites. 
Salem's Lot is definitely one of my favorites because I read that as well. Oh, yeah, Salem's Lot for sure. Did you ever see the miniseries for that one? Which one? David David Soul was in it, and oh, um, the original movie, yeah. The original, it was a miniseries on, on TV. He was in it with um, oh god, the young he was a young heartthrob. I can't think of his name I, right now. I, I oh, Hasselhoff was it? No, 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 no. What the heck? I was can his see name? it. I can. I yeah, it was well, David. Lance Kerwin. Lance Kerwin. That's yes, who it was. Lance. Yes. Oh, and I, I was actually on a podcast not too long ago, and we were. We were talking about the Black Eyed Kids. Have you ever heard of the Black Eyed Kids and the story about them? Okay, one you just gave me they're, they're, you just gave me an idea to add to my creature feature list, but I do love the Black Eyed Kids stories. Really interesting, and he was explaining how they kind of like hypnotize you, and the way the way he, the the guest that I had on the show was describing it, and was really the same way I thought of those vampires in Salem's Lot were. And I kept thinking of Michael Glick in the window, scratching on the window with his nails, trying to get his mom's attention. Mom, mom, let me in. And then all of a sudden you see his incisors and his mother, she's so hypnotized because she lost her kid. She's like, Michael, Michael. And she opens up the damn window for this vampire to come in. And next thing you know, she's bitten and the rest is history. But just that whole thing of in the window, scaring the bejesus out of the, the, the viewer, just made me think of the black eyed kids because they're supposedly yeah. really so uh, hypnotic. It's that feeling. It's funny because one of my, well, one of my favorite rappers actually does a song called Black Eyed Kids. And oh, like, really? and like the, the course of the, the course of the rap is like, let us in, let us in. And oh. like, <laughs> like, it's just, it's, perfect and like i knew a black eyed kids before i started listening to it before i heard the song before the song came out even but it just was like 2016 they made a movie about it i wonder if his song was the soundtrack for it because they made a movie called black eyed kids really ironically i never heard that yeah must have been not really must not been like a movie or something that it was it was it was pretty decent he said but he also said there's believe it or not a comic book a black eyed kids comic book out i've heard of that one i've heard of that one i didn't know that i haven't had a chance to read it but i've heard of it and mm-hmm. but yeah the other thing well with salem's law they actually did the sec the second season i believe of castle rock it was what took place in uh jerusalem's lot they renamed the town and it takes oh, okay. It's supposed to take place after Salem's Lot, the book, and it's basically a new wave of evil coming into the town. And it's called, you said Castle Rock? It's it's a show on Hulu. It's called Castle Rock. They did three oh. they they did okay. three they did three seasons, uh two or three seasons of it. The first season takes place in, I think, Derry actually. Oh, okay. And it's uh, it's not it's 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 not what you think. Trust me, I wish. But it was right around the same time that it came out, so they wouldn't cross over like that. They wouldn't cross over. Did you ever see the movie The Mist? I have not seen the original movie. I saw the TV show they did a couple years ago, a new version of it, and I read I read his short story, The Mist. Like that. Yeah, the Mist. You got to see the movie. The movie is really good. And then uh, Stand by Me. Have you ever seen Stand by Me? I did see Stand by Me because I want to because I read. 
I read the short story and I wanted to see the movie that actually went to it. A lot of people don't know that Stephen King and the Green Mile, that's Stephen King too. A lot yeah. of people don't know that. Stephen yeah. King, I, I said on the show before, Stephen King is just one of the greatest writers ever to come out of this yeah. world. Yeah. I mean, and uh, what's the third one I was going to say that I freaking love? I mean, well, they're never going to do it. They're they never just came Firestarter. They did just releasing Firestarter. Yes. I haven't watched it yet, but I saw it the other day on um, Paramount Plus or Peacock, whatever it's whatever it's on. Yeah. I, 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 saw, I saw the banner for it, and I'm like, and I, I told my girlfriend, I'm like, oh, once the kids go to bed one night, we're gonna watch this definitely. <laughs> Somebody it, who doesn't. <laughs> but I, because I, I mean, I read the book Firestarter, and I loved the I loved the Nicole Kidman movie too. But, mm -hmm. but I mean, I like to see an updated version of it kind of because um, they didn't the follow the book exactly the original fire star has um what's her name in it it's, uh, it's drew the, drew, i always get nicole kim and drew barrymore mixed up i don't know why <laughs> it's just one of those things like i love moulin rouge and i'll talk about it and be like oh that's drew barrymore and they'll be like no that's nicole kidman <laughs> and, and i'm like oh god damn it again that's the one you were talking about. I thought there was something that I missed, but no, okay. yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But but Stephen King books are just amazing. But you can't watch the movies without or or the TV shows without preparing to be disappointed to some degree. Mm. I mean, but they 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 are making a new Salem's Lot. Uh, I believe it's a, I believe it's a TV. I believe it's a mini series again, or it might okay. be or it might be a movie. I know something's coming out with that in the next year. I, I just remember being very pleased with that miniseries, loving David Soule in the part, loving Lance Kerwin, just really being happy with the characters, the way they filled them and portrayed them. I liked and, it. I liked it, but I mean, the person who played the main vampire, I can't think of his name right now for some reason. It's, mm -hmm. uh, I just... They even, they even, like, even uh, David Soul said, like, he, gave, he, he wouldn't listen to the director. He, at the end of the movie, he gives, like, his whole little speech about, like, being the last cowboy and something like that. And it's just, it's so off book of the character that's just like, come on. Yeah. Like, I want to, the, the, the speech he gives in the book about when he tells the Reverend, I remember, I remember when your kind were, were pinning fish on their chest to, and hiding in caves, like, that speech, they need to put that in a movie because that speech is perfectly scary. Yeah, just the whole speech. Like something, something that that is that old that I can remember back to the BC times. It's terrifying. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, I could do a whole freaking show on. I could do a whole podcast on Stephen King if I, really, if I really had the time for it. Which actually, not a bad idea for one day, but I'll work on that. <laughs> but so, what would you say is the most, I want to say, unique or surprising paranormal experience that ever happened to you? When uh, my team did an investigation in the Sterling Hill Mines, I mean, I've never been on a paranormal investigation that proffered so much activity in one evening. But you have to think about the number of lives that are lost in a mine to begin with. And that I'm sure played a part in us having so much activity in just the short six hours that we were there as a team. 
we had residual energy that happened continuously. The mediums are picking up on um, uh, video memories of the victims that were, were in these accidents. And then we had intellectual interaction with spirit. In fact, the one specific event that had happened, we were all running our cameras at the same time. And after the event, I took the best footage from that investigation and submitted it to Paranormal Court on Camera. And they liked it so much, they did a feature of our group on the show. Oh, if, if you know Paranormal Court on Camera, you know Derek Hayes then. One of the one of the people that gives his impressions of the evidence yeah. on the show. Okay. Yeah, he has yeah, he has a he has a beard and he's very deep voiced. Okay. Yeah. Is, is he the, the one he, you're gonna have on your show? Oh, oh I, I'm working on that, but he's the podcaster I talked about who does Monsters Among Us. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, I am working on having him in my show eventually because I would love to have him in my show. I'm a I'm a fanboy of him basically. <laughs> so having him in my show would be an honor. Reverend Mark Maskey is gonna be in my show in July, and I cannot wait for that because I'm sure you've heard of small town monsters. They're uh mm-hmm. yeah, because I mean and Mark Maskey does their podcast a lot. He he's the host of their podcast, Monsteropolis, that they do about their movies and just about different topics altogether. And it's just Mm-hmm. Talk, talking to him is going to be amazing and I'm hoping he could lead me to Seth Breedlove and other members of the Small Town Monsters group Heather Moser mm-hmm. I'd love to talk to her too but big dreams you know you got, you got to, I just posted on Twitter last week I posted on Twitter last week reaching out just tagging all the people I want to talk to and the response has been overwhelmingly good that's nice yeah, considering this is my considering this will be my fifth episode yes it's amazing because oh. it's i'm so new yeah. i didn't i didn't think any of these people would show me any any like respect or care because i thought it'd just be like oh talk to us when you're like 100 episodes in do you do weekly or bi-weekly i do week i do weekly i record usually every monday and i release every saturday morning <laughs> i've been able to manage the bi-weekly on both of them um but it still is a struggle because like I said, I have a deadline for the book and I have people that are saying, when is the book coming out? When's the book coming out? So I don't want to disappoint anyone and really need to get moving on that. Thankfully, I work in the school district here in Sussex County. So when school's out in June, I'll be able to dedicate July and August to writing the book more and getting more chapters out so that I can meet my deadline of Halloween again. You know, that's it's a synchronicity kind of that you say that because the, the third guest I had on this podcast is an author named Brandy Alexander, and she just wrote, she wrote a book earlier this year called Genesis, uh, Paranormal Alliance Den- Des- Destined to Fight Darkness, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's, I, actually, I actually read the whole book. It took me a month after my surgery, and I read the whole book throughout that month, but, and it, she, the reason I say it's a synchronicity is because She's a school teacher too, and she writes her okay. books. She writes her books during the summer, and then during the rest of the year, she just promotes them on podcast and she tries to come up with ideas for the next one. Mm-hmm. I, and she, I, I am actually, in, I am in love with her book. 
I when, when she was on here, I basically fanboyed out of her book. But and she actually has a second one coming out soon and a third one that she's working on. And I am looking forward to those books. But just talking about your books, I mean, I'm already ready to go on like eBay or Amazon after this to see if I could find them. Oh, thank you. Well, they're available on Amazon. They're in ebook form. They're on Audible, audiobook form. You can get them anyway, paperback. They're all see, available and everything. See, if I don't get, if I don't, if I go in ebook form, I'll read them. But then my girlfriend won't read them because she hates reading on a, on device. So there you go. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm a book binder kind of person. I like a, a book with binding. Although I do, I am forced to read ebooks every now and again because I do review other authors' books. So the easiest way to do that is to get an ebook form and read it whenever I have yeah. a chance because you usually have a limited amount of time to do that in. But to me, for enjoyment, I prefer the book with binding. I I just that's me. I always did too originally, but then I started reading during my breaks at old jobs and stuff. And like, it's hard to have to remember to bring a book with you. If you, if you finish one, like it's hard to remember like every day for a while, like I would forget a book every day because I just keep forgetting to grab one of my other ones off my shelf. So that's why I, found, I finally switched to eBooks because I always have my cell phone on me. So that's, I'm not going to forget a book then. There you go. And it's just, and plus, if you if you want to read outside in the dark at night, like I like to sometimes, and ha ha having a regular book is hard to do. <laughs> sure. So it has its advantages and disadvantages, right? Yeah. I mean, but there's nothing like holding a nice book in your hands and reading. Yeah. I, I agree. But so have you had any experiences with anything that wouldn't be spirits or ghostly, anything more solid, let's say? I've had a UFO experience. Is that what you're talking about? Something like that? Hi. I mean, I would. I mean, I was pushing more towards like Bigfoot, but hey, UFO experiences. I, uh, to... I haven't had personally. I haven't had any Bigfoot experiences, but I have had an experience with UFO. Well, I'll tell you what. You could break a virginity on this show, and you could tell the first UFO experience ever on this show. Okay, we moved into our development in 2001, and we were one of the only houses in the area at the time. So we were kind of like in in oblivion <laughs> in the country. And um, I did have one neighbor next to me. And so she and I were friends with each other because we were the only people that were here. And one day when um, my kids were off at school, in the middle of the day, I'm on the phone with a friend, somebody else, and I'm, I'm talking to them and I'm looking out the window at the time. And all of a sudden they see this object hovering off in the horizon. And mm -hmm. I was like, what the heck is that thing? And watched it for several minutes. When I finally said to her, listen, I got to get off the phone with you right now. I, I need to, to take care of something. And got off the phone with her and called my neighbor, Sue, and said, Sue, Sue, go to your window and look outside and see if you tell me if you see anything off in the horizon. So she looks out her window and she's quiet for a minute. And she goes, I see something, but I can't explain it. And the two of us is just standing there talking on the phone, watching this thing until it took off and went away. Then probably within the same time frame, my kids are night swimming outside in the back of the pool with their friend. And I'm inside cleaning up the dinner dishes and in the kitchen. And they come running in from outside going, mom, mom, we just saw a flying saucer. Come on, come on. And so the, the three of them are grabbing me to go outside to see something that's already gone. So that 
intuitive mind of mine says, okay, we're going to go inside and I'm going to separate three of you kids. I'm going to put you in different areas of the downstairs of the house, give you writing tools and paper. And I want each of you to draw me a picture of what you saw. So you're talking, I think they, the, the two oldest were nine at the time. And I think my youngest was like four, something like that. They all draw their pictures and they hand them to me and they're exactly alike. So for me, they all saw the same thing. Yes. You know, so um, when I was writing the chapter on UFOs in that first book, I obviously put, I kept those pictures that the kids drew when I wrote the story so that people could see the pictures that they drew. Um, when I was asking about UFOs sightings in the area, I got so many people that came out with their stories. So it kind of like coincided with me telling the incident that happened to me and the kids. Well, actually, funny. Well, since we're talking about UFOs here, my well, first off, this my father always said because he was at a party at one of our family friends' houses in New York. We lived in Kingston, New York, like outside of Kingston, New York. I don't know if you ever heard of it or. It's, I, I, sure, I, I've been to Kingston. We lived outside of Kingston in a small little town called Tilson. But my dad always said the one night they were at our family friend's house in Kingston, he was in the hot tub with like three other people at a party they were having. And yes, there was alcohol involved, I'm sure. But he, he always swore me when I was a kid that the four of them saw a, a UFO while sitting in the hot tub that night. And all four of them say they saw it. But my mom always said he was full of it because he was drinking that night. But who knows? I mean, he's not alive anymore, so I can't ask him about it. Unfortunately. You know what? It, it has to happen to you for you to believe it. Well, so. that's actually that's actually funny because my current girlfriend, before she moved in with me, she lived on the south shore of Massachusetts and was on the edge of what is commonly known as the Bridgewater Triangle. I'm sure you've heard of that phenomenon. I've heard of the Bermuda Triangle, which I was very fascinated with as a child. Oh, but you, you've never heard of the Bridgewater Triangle? No, I've not. Oh, well, I always like to give my guests some kind of homework to do. And I, you're mm -hmm. tr trust me, you might want to look into it because it could easily be a book topic for you. Mm. But basically, to, to, I, I keep saying one day I'm going to do a special on this, but I want to find someone who's from the South Shore of Massachusetts that lives in the Bridgewater Triangle and has had multiple experiences. But basically, the Bridgewater Triangle is land where, of course, Native Americans were slaughtered back in the 1600s, 1500s, what have you. And supposedly the Native American chief, before he died in the Huckamuck Swamp, he cursed the land. And since then, the Bridgewater Triangle has been a massive, a massive array of sightings of Pukwudgies, Bigfoot, UFOs, giant snakes, Thunderbirds, just Basically, anything paranormal, you name it, the Bridgewater Triangle is guaranteed to have some kind of story about it. And, of course, satanic cults, which were very active in there in the 80s and 90s. But, mm. but my, girlfriend lives right, my girlfriend's house she lived in was right on the edge of the, of the Bridgewater Triangle. Basically, you walk in the woods behind her house, and you're in, in what they consider the triangle. And the one night, me, her, and the two kids are coming in from outside because it started getting dark. And we're in the back porch of their house, finishing our cigarettes. And all of a sudden, my stepson looks up, look, looks up in the sky. He's like, why are those clusters? Why are those bunch of stars moving? And we all look up, and there is seven or eight star looking. From that distance, they look like stars. But they were all moving in the same direction 
at the same speed and uh, faster than any star could possibly move to the human eye. So to me, that was my first real UFO experience. Mm-hmm. And it definitely isn't the last time I saw something like that out there because the Bridgewater Triangle is known to be highly, highly visited by aliens. I mean, mm-hmm. I could do, when I do when I do the special episode on it someday, I will be relating a lot of my girlfriend's and her family's stories from living in that house because that house itself was built on a Native American burial ground. I mean, mm. I when I first started dating her, I would tell my family, like, yeah, her house is straight out poltergeist, basically. But I mean, just everything happens in that house. Shadow people, spirits, just anything you could when they were kids, they saw giant snakes in the backyard. I mean, it's just everything. The only thing we're missing is a puck wedgie, which I would love to meet. I would love to run into a puck wedgie one day. That's my dream. But because I do love those little crazy cryptids, they are. But <laughs> but yeah so i mean that was my ufo those are my that's my one ufo experience that i've ever seen and and my girlfriend swears that she in that house she was abducted multiple times i mean oh wow that's crazy which and she and she i actually bought i bought her a camera one time for some holiday because she wanted a camera for her room just to, so when she's out of the room she can keep, keep an eye on the kids but but basically um and one of the videos she had, the video went like all fuzzy and lights for a second. And then outside of the one window, which it's a second story window. So ain't no animal getting up there. Ain't no human getting up there without a ladder. And you would hear that. There's some dark figure, like humanoid shape, but some dark figure that you could see, that she said you could see outside the window on the camera, like just kind of like scurrying by the window really fast. And her and her, her, and her sisters have heard at night, things running around the house in like a circle so fast that no human could run that fast. Mm. And I, she said she doesn't even think like a coyote because they had a lot of coyotes out there, of course. But she says no coyote would ever run that fast around the house. And why would a coyote run in circles around the house? Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't make sense. So sure. someday I will be doing a special episode about that house in particular because that house right there is hours of stories. And of course, her family doesn't like to talk about it, so I can't have them on. But they like to live in ignorance of they know it happens, but maybe if we pretend it doesn't happen, it'll stop happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta love those believer, people. Believer, disbelievers. Basically, but well, any enough from me for now. <laughs> any other, uh, any other cryptic categories you're starting to fall into, or is? aliens not me not 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 me personally no well which actually which that's that's actually fine because i think you're going to show me some kind of creatures or whatever and ask my opinion on them i don't know if i'm going to know what they are because cryptid actually is a a pretty new name for me too because um i'd never really heard about it until i started my podcast people started talking to me about them that they use that terminology for different things well, I will. Yes. And we are going to play a little, we are going to play a little game and it's called, uh, well, it's a, a discussion more than a game. I don't show pictures or anything really. I basically just bring up different cryptids and other creatures and we both discuss our, you, you tell me what, whether you believe in them or not. And if they do exist, you basically can go into as much detail as you want about what you believe about things. And it's just interesting okay. to 
because I've I've used a couple of the ones, same ones over and over again with different guests and just mm-hmm. the the different theories you hear that some of them I've heard before, of course, and some are completely new theories to me. And I'm just like, wow, that's something to think on for the next week. But but since you're from New Jersey, we of course are <laughs> going to start with the Jersey Devil because that has always been one of my favorite ones that I used to have a hard time believing in. Until I heard some calls come into Monsters Among Us that uh, people that have had modern day sightings mm-hmm. of it. So, sure, I believe this. Now, for those those who don't know, because I have heard people who ha- don't know about this, because I, I think I said to Glenn, the Jersey Devil, and he's like, you mean the hockey team? But, <laughs> but the Jersey Devil is a creature that's supposedly came to mother leads a woman who lived in the 1700s i believe in new jersey and it was supposed to be her 13th child she had which that poor woman but right but supposedly it was a 13th child and she said she didn't want it and that caused it to be cursed and when she gave birth to it supposedly it came out deformed having goat-like features and wings and hoofs and it supposedly flew out right out the window and since then, people have been seeing some kind of creature. I mean, I don't know about the origin story. I think that's just a fun urban legend people came up with years ago to tell about it. I mean, I've yet to see documented proof of that happening. But Especially since I haven't gotten any stories from people about it. But I have, I but mean... There's, there's not a possibility. I mean, everybody talks about Mothman and say that he exists. So, well, you know, the... Jersey Devil doesn't sound too far off from Mothman. Well, all right. Well, I'll put a pause in the Mothman thing for a second. <laughs> that's a whole nother rabbit hole we can go down in a minute. But um, I mean, the Jersey Devil, I mean, yes, it's kind of hard to believe because there's supposed to be only one of these creatures. And yet it's been seen since the 16, 1700s, whenever it first was supposed to happen. And according to people, it lives in the and I'm going to forget the name right now, the Pine Barrens. It lives in the Pine Barrens. And I have heard stories from people on other podcasts where they hear, supposedly when it's coming, you hear like a train sound coming at you. And I don't know what that's about. That may just been people getting used to trains when they first started in like 1800s. Like that might have been, that might have been just that and people being scared. So they said, oh, it's the Jersey Devil. Mm, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's the problem with a lot of these things where there's really not proof of them, but I've heard some recent stories on a lot of different varieties of just people that supposedly have seen it in the Pine Barrens when they're out there camping or when they're out there hiking. They see mm-hmm. something They see something fly by them really fast, basically, or run by them really fast. And of course, because it's the Pine Barrens, people say it's the Jersey Devil. Mm-hmm. I mean, on a, on a believability scale and do I think it exists scale, I'd probably give it a 6 out of 10, and that's being generous. How about you, Eleanor? I think there's a possibility. There's always a possibility. You know? I mean, Bigfoot's kind of like a far stretch, too, but some people <laughs> say they believe in it, some it doesn't. You know what I mean? So I mean, it, there's a possibility. I, I have to agree with you. It's probably on a scale from six to 10. Yeah. Like I, mean, you. I mean, well, 
from there, we can actually jump into what you said about Mothman because the reason I can believe Mothman exists more than anything else is because Mothman has been sighted in multiple locations around the world. Yes. Chernobyl, before the big nuclear fallout. I mean, it was spot. I mean, the classic story of it being spotted in Chicago, I want to say, which I, I'm picking it right. Is it Chicago or Detroit, the original one? Uh, I want to say Detroit. Maybe. Yeah, I think you are right. But yeah, uh, the the TNT fields outside, outside of, oh, West, Virgi- West Virginia. It's West Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Wow. How am I not thinking about that? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the TNT fields outside West Virginia and the old army space they used during the Second World War to keep, it's a barracks they used to keep the TNT and dynamite in there. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's in West Virginia. I forget the name of the town right now for some reason, which I got to make better notes of these things, but because <laughs> it's really embarrassing to forget this type of stuff. When I'm, when I'm not recording, I can go talk to someone about this and it'll pop in my head in a second. I'll know it, but, but I mean, yeah. Mothman, I mean, the classic stories in west virginia of mothman the chernobyl sightings and there's been other i didn't didn't know about the chernobyl sighting that's that's pretty unusual that well there was a mothman like creature well back then they didn't call it the mothman like creature they said there was a flying creature that was spotted multiple times in chernobyl three or four days before the big nuclear accident happened oh boy really which that i mean which leads to the debate is Mothman possibly an angel or possibly a demon? Is it trying to warn people of oncoming doom or is it a demon causing doom? Never heard that before. That's, that's a good question. I never thought about that before. Which the author I interviewed for my third episode, Brandy Alexander, her book is about uh, spirits, angels helping spirits fight demons, basically. That's what it's about. It's about a kid who can, a kid who can talk to spirits and ghosts, and basically he, angels help him and his friends like fight demon uprisings, demons trying to break out of hell. I mean, I don't want to give away spoilers on, about her book on the show because I want people to read sure. it because it's a good book. But, mm-hmm. but basically, I asked her, I'm like, is there any possibility you could throw Mothman a book eventually as maybe <laughs> p- pick a pick a side for him or. Maybe there's multiple of them. Maybe there's some on each side. Sure. Maybe they were a sect of demon, a sect of angels that part of them fall loose for the hell. Who knows? I mean, they came from fallen angels. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm by no means religious. I'm an. I'm, I'm agnostic. I don't believe in anything particularly because I don't see proof of anything of any one thing. I see proof of a lot of different things from different religions. So that's just my personal opinion. I. Everybody, the, everybody listens to this show already knows it because I bring it up every episode at some point. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, Mothman has always interested me as well because people, I still to this day hear people reporting their sightings of Mothman like creatures in West Virginia, especially, but all around the world. And of course, there have been other flying humanoids spotted at airports in recent years or spotted while people are on planes, flying humanoid creatures that look like they have jetpacks on them. Or they have wings. Oh, yeah. I've seen on a couple of the shows, I've seen them caught on camera. Which, I mean, the whole flying human over the jetpack thing, the popular theory is, is that they are time travelers that somehow mm-hmm. got, somehow pulled it back to the future and went to the past. But 
I've also heard government uh, experimentations, well, you know, new, new equipment and stuff that that could be from that we don't know about. Well, I mean, basically any any cryptic paranormal topic you talk about, there's government experimentations always have a chance to be in there. You never know. You never know what the government's up to because it's just the government does what it wants to do, and no none of us will ever know the secrets of the government until the day the world basically ends and someone breaks into the White House to get the Book of Secrets. Mm. or wherever they keep it. It might not even be in the White House. I don't know. I mean, it could be in the Pentagon for all I know. Or or hidden mm. somewhere else. Who knows? I mean, it's just... I would love to get my hands on it, of course. Who wouldn't? But, <laughs> but all right. Let's see. Uh, what do you... Quatri, have you ever seen a shadow person? Yeah, I have. I, I do a lot of investigations, so... You're bound to um, have one or, you know, eventually have one in an investigation, right? Yeah, I mean, of, co- of course. I mean, if you're, if you're investigating spirits and ghosts, then there's always a chance that, or sure. any haunted location, there's, because, I mean, we have, well, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go into this quickly because I don't, I do, I do talk about this every episode at some point usually because it comes up, but the house we, the house I bought back in November, we live in now. We had paranormal investigators come here in December or a little before Christmas because, and basically what they uncovered, what they believe they uncovered, is that the original husband and wife who built this house are still living here. Oh, okay. And my, my girlfriend, Katie, and her sister, Rain, ha- have both supposedly seen shadow people in this house when they were up late at night, like around oh, the witch. Around the witch, which I discussed this actually i never discussed this on this podcast but i discussed it on with other people with the paranormal investigators i mainly discussed this theory i believe well my personal belief is that shadow people i believe once you die if you're going to be a ghost if you're going to become a spirit that stays on earth and haunts or just resides somewhere i believe there are different stages you go through as you learn to control yourself more because i believe Mm -hmm. when, when you first die i believe it's like becoming a baby ghost almost because you don't know how to control yourself and that's when people see like little white mist everywhere like a, like a, a white mist cloud running around like i think that's the first stage because you don't know how to control and put your molecules i guess i'll call them into a shape but i believe shadow people is more of a advanced spirit form where they know how to form themselves into something and it just takes the shadow, the, a shadow form, because that's something they know of, and it's easier for them to hide. I'm sure that uh, there are uh, people, different people have different views on um, whether it's their um, energy is powerful enough or not, or mm-hmm. if it's the person, the receiver that's not able to see them. Because I know from a personal experience in my haunted antique shop that I owned. I could see the full-bodied apparition and the woman that lived upstairs, she could see the ghost the same way that I could, but her husband was only able to see him as a dark shadow. He knew it was him because of the shape of the shadow, but he couldn't see him as a full-bodied apparition as she and I did. So it could just be the energy or the way the receiver receives it or our abilities of being able to receive. Yeah. I mean, which makes sense hundred percent to me. I mean, it, there's just there's that's the only problem with talking about paranormal things is there's so many variables you could throw in that 
we never will know answers. We'll never have real answers. Right. If we ever do, it's nowhere near the time where we're going to have the answers yet. Mm-hmm. It's going to take us discovering new ways to investigate in the future and new sciences, new inventions that we don't exactly. even because the world as a whole, which is why my show is called what it is, is because yes, paranormal is slowly becoming the new normal because almost anybody you talk to has some kind of paranormal experience, whether it be a slight little thing or like hearing voices that there's no body for, or it could be big things like actually seeing a Bigfoot or seeing an alien or an alien abduction type thing. I mean, it's just, it's becoming a new normal now that everybody has experienced it where 30 years ago, if you talked about aliens or Bigfoot, people thought you were crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's becoming more and more accepted as a whole. And more, more widely accepted for sure. Yeah. Which that's why I named my show. I did. And also because it wasn't taken yet. So I grabbed it while I could and I bought the website, <laughs> even though I did, I haven't created a website yet. I'm working on that, but I bought the web. I, I bought the domain domain name for it. So no one else could take it, <laughs> but, but all right. Actually, here, this is one of my favorites, and this was first brought to my attention by the Monsters Among Us podcast, but it's not the only place it's been mentioned. Another, a few other podcasts I've talked about over time, but have you heard of Mirrored Men? Mirrored Men? No, I have not. Well, all right. Well, basically, Mirrored Men is a phenomenon where it's usually three men three humanoid men-looking figures dressed exactly the same, a lot of the time wearing suits, and they walk in perfect unison. Every movement one makes, the other ones make the same movement at perfect timing. And basically, people have seen them. A lot of the stories people see in them are outside their bedroom windows late at night if they're looking out in the street or something. Or I've also heard stories of people seeing them in the woods while they're hiking. And basically, what they have in common with aliens, though, is whenever people see them, they lose time. They can lose a couple hours, or there are people who were looking out their window and saw them, and they when they come to, it's eight o'clock in the morning. Mm. Which and a they, loss of yeah, it's a time loss, which is something commonly reported with UFO sightings and whatnot. Or abductions. Yeah, which so I mean the big that's one that's 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 one of the big topics of it basically is are the mirrored men aliens are they a men in black type government thing where they actually erase your memory so you forget something you're supposed to forget that the government doesn't want you to remember or are they like who know i mean those are the two main theories for them are men in black or aliens but i just i like to ask everybody about these because it's a, it's a, it's one of the newest supernatural phenomenons that people can't explain never heard about it yeah it's unusual i've heard of men in black of course oh well i mean everybody has big willy out there but <laughs> protecting the universe but yeah men i mean i've heard i heard of men in black before the movie ever came out actually because i there was always a little section in every cryptid book i read as a kid about men in black and i've heard a lot of stories especially on podcasts nowadays of people telling stories that their grandparents told them back in the 40s or 50s of them seeing something and then all of a sudden the car will pull up a couple days later and two men's suits will get out and tell them you better forget what you saw and don't say anything to anybody about it anymore otherwise we'll be back oh okay and like so i believe that men in black which 
makes it, I mean, yes, the government recently came out and said they admitted that there are un, un, unidentified flying objects and we, they don't know what, they, what it is. They don't know if it's aliens or they don't know if it's other countries experimenting on their, on innovative new planes or whatnot, but the government was supposed to come out and tell everything they know back when COVID first started. But since then, did we, did we freeze up again? But yeah, the government basically decided that back when COVID first started, that they were going to start releasing information about UFOs because they admit it. There are things in the sky and as the government- that was actually was before COVID. It was during Trump's administration. Well, COVID started when Trump was in when, when Trump was in office. Yeah, but the UFO thing happened before even COVID came. He was already releasing the information about the UFOs before COVID hit. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, yeah. You, you are right because I never. I, I was still working my job at that point before COVID hit my original mm -hmm. job, and I remember like hearing that he, yeah, he was going to release stuff, and then but they were actually he was actually planning. Well, he said he was going to release it, and then COVID started. And then that's when he said, like, by this date, we are going to release information about UFOs and aliens. Well, you know, he already did release stuff. You could you could actually go to the um, the government website. You can actually see everything. I mean, people say, I don't know anything about that, or I, I didn't hear this, or I didn't hear that. You can go to the government website, and everything that's transpired, and every law, and everything that has been passed, and everything that's going on is right there for you to see it. So, you know, somebody who says, I don't know, just doesn't want to find out. They don't want to investigate or research yeah. it to find out. So, but he did, he actually, he actually released stuff. I'm sure he meant to do more, but he did release a lot. I'm going to have to do a Google search then later on, but. Google, Google may not find it for you. You might want yeah. to just go right onto the government website. I could see if I could find out um, who was it that told me. I can find out, I could probably find out the, the actual website name for you to go to that you could actually get all the information. That's how you find out what's a lie and what's not a lie. The fact check, I don't believe the fact checkers at all because the fact checker checkers are people they've hired to fact check and they're going to do and say whatever they want them to. Just go straight to the source and you can find it out instead of just believing what people say or what you hear or say or what you google because google's google's very biased too they're going to just say what they want to say so you're not going to really find what you want to find true true and also i mean the government may have released some stuff but i truly will never believe they release every because yeah. i forget you know, well, even if even if the president wanted to let's just say even president trump wanted to release it all they wouldn't let him i don't think no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't let them. And then, once Biden took office, you stopped hearing about it completely. Because, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. Because he had other things on his agenda. So. But I mean, because there's a classic story of I want to say it was I forget what president it was, but it was in the 40s I think or 50s or actually I think it was 60s. But there was a what is typically called the Norse looking alien that was supposed to be in the white house with one of the presidents like for weeks at a time and he actually like went to press conferences with them and supposedly this president's daughter and granddaughter like met the alien or visitor whatever you want to call them and they basically like 
it's the I forget what his name, what the name of the alien was, or what they said his name was, but I heard about it first on Parcast um, Extraterrestrial series. Okay. Which, oh, it was such an interesting story, and if you go by like the classifications that people have put out for aliens, it was a Norse looking alien because it looked like a white man with blonde hair but mm-hmm. it's a it was a whole thing where he was supposed to be in the white house for like months and he was helping the he was helping the president with the cold war against russia and everything supposedly and like he was trying to broker peace basically between russia and the united states otherwise his people would come down and have to do something about it like that's what the story is i mean I don't know whether I, whether I believe it or not. They were very skeptical about skeptical skeptical about it on the podcast podcast as well, of course, because they have to be. But sure. it was just it was just an interesting story. I mean, whether it's I mean, if it is true, then the government just basically wiped any existence of that out of the records, or they or they blacked out the records of that because something like that would have been released by now because it's past the point where the government has to hide the records. It's past. It's been. 50 years now so i believe they only have i believe they release records after 30 years oh is that how long it is it's 30 years i want to say 30 years i could be completely off on that number but i feel like i feel like they just started releasing stuff when i i feel like when i was a kid i heard about them releasing stuff about the vietnam war finally that's why i say 30 years Hmm. i didn't realize limitation but i i know they can't release things for at least 15 20 years i hope i believe because they what don't kind want... of sense, you know, that you have to have signed of uh, some sort of time frame. It's it's That's like just... it's like taxes. They tell you to keep your taxes for five years, then throw them out or then burn them or whatever. Kind of the same theory, I believe. But all right, we'll do one or two more of these. Uh, let's go with something I haven't really talked about in this show yet, but I keep wanting to, but we keep running out of time. Skinwalkers. Okay. Is that a skinwalker, somebody who uh, is almost like a doppelganger for somebody else? Is that what that is? No. I Well, well, I mean, I know the phenomenon you're talking about, which I believe they're just called doppelgangers. But skinwalker, right. skinwalkers is from Western American, Native Americans. And basically, the I want to say the people ute because i'm sure you heard of skinwalker ranch out in utah really mm. oh my god well okay if you ever want to watch a good show that's been on the last few years and it's a it's not it's not a fictionalized tv show it's a reality tv show the secret of skinwalker ranch because brandon brand brandon fugel is on it who is someone i'm trying to get on the show actually he I believe it's him or a company he works for. They bought Skinwalker Ranch from the government because Skinwalker Ranch is in Utah. It was originally owned by a family back in the 70s, 60s. And they had all these weird occurrences happen, UFO sightings and dire dire wolves or huge wolves that would come onto the property and then walk and they would take cows or calves and, and with them. And it just, it was a, it was a hub of supernatural phenomenon happening constantly. And basically, eventually the government bought it to try to do their experiments on it for like the, throughout the nineties, early two thousands. And then it kind of just sat there because the government couldn't figure anything out. And for the last few, 
and for the last five years, I think, the company Brandon Fugal works for bought it, and they produced this TV show on, I want to say, uh, Discovery or the Paramount, I think. Actually, yeah, I think it's on Paramount, the channel Yellowstone's on. And it's called The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. And they, they basically, on the show, they have footage of UFOs over the ranch. And they have, they have uh, shadow people captured on, on film, basically. And they have recordings of spirits on the ranch and everything else. It's a very interesting show for anybody who's into the paranormal. But Skinwalker Ranch basically is land that was cursed, of course, by Native Americans because these two Native American tribes were warring over it. And one tribe cursed the other tribe. And when they cursed them, they cursed the magicians or the necromancers of the tribe to become skinwalkers, which basically means they could take animal forms when it's always been debated where they're going to switch to one animal, like dogman style or like werewolf style or if they could switch to multiple animals that they want to like birds or snakes or whatever but basically a skinwalker is a, is a, a human who takes the form of animals and there's been stories in recent years on podcasts i've heard that it's like the people will see a coyote chasing their car in out west and then all of a sudden they they look back in the rearview mirror again and it's in human form or they see a bird land somewhere and then they look back again to human form. It's just, it's basically like a changeling. I mean, that's the best way to describe it. It's like a changeling, but it's a, it's a changeling that can do it at will. They're not forced to change. They, they can do it as they please. It's basically, yeah, I mean, I basically just describe what it is kind of the best I can. I mean, it's just, there's not much known about them. I know in a lot of Native American tribes out there to this day, they will not say the word skinwalker because they fear it will bring one upon them. Wow. So you've, you've never heard of the word skinwalker? No, <laughs> I <Well>, haven't. <laughs> well, I mean, just between, 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 between Glenn last week and you this week, I'm, 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 I'm striking out. I'm striking pretty good no, here. I, I think, I think, you know, it depends on what your interests are. Like I, I'm sure as a podcaster, eventually I'll go, I'll go and find out about things that I wouldn't normally have heard about, but it's not something that I would go and look for. I'm into the paranormal and in ghost hunting. And um, there are other topics that I find very interesting, like reincarnation, near death experience. And obviously they were interesting to me. So I wrote about them, but I, I haven't gotten into anything else. I mean, I just told you a little earlier, even the word cryptid was new to me. I was like, what's a cryptid? And it, I know it has this broad spectrum that it covers, but I never knew it before I heard about it from when I was interviewing somebody for my podcast. So um, my research and understanding of things like that is, is really not extensive. <laughs> it's, it's very limited at this point. Well, if you ever, if you ever, if you ever want to do something, if you ever try to kill time somewhere, just look up cryptid wiki. Okay. It's a inter it's it's a basically like a Wikipedia like site, but it's just I wouldn't. And say then it has all listed there. Is that what you're saying? You go to the website and oh, it has them. It has really in alphabetical order, and it'll have cryptids that even I can't pronounce the name of from different parts. Yeah, of, from there from, are that many of them. Well, because the ones the ones even that I mainly talk about in this show are mainly American cryptids. 
every, every country has their own cryptids. Japan, Japan, China, Asia has all of them. I mean, Africans have tons of them. Uh, every country, I mean, a lot of them are similar around the world, but they just have their own names for them. But there are probably one. Kind of, probably kind of like Bigfoot and Sasquatch and the different names that they use for it, but they're the same one and the same, but in different arenas around the world. Right. Like in, I forget what country it is exactly, but. Abominable snowman he's been referred to as. But it's... Oh, I hate that term, abominable snowman. I prefer Yeti because abominable snowman, pe- people people hear abominable snowman and they think of the freaking Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer movie. <laughs> so that's why I, I don't like that because abominable snowman makes it sound like it's a creature made out of snow or something. So, I mean, I understand why the name started. And of course, I respect that and all that. But I actually just read an article recently that they believe there are the, the Tibetan, Tibetan people think there are six different types of yetis which they i I think there might be a little bit more than that well i believe there was more originally but i think they disproved at least two or three of them because like one was a species of bear that never was proven to exist until recently okay and another one was a primate that they thought went extinct but is still in the mountains out there oh okay so i didn't but there's still multiple and and the funny thing is that the different versions of it are different sizes different builds different anatomy completely it's just i mean yes it's all basic sasquatch looking anatomy but it's just differences like longer arms shorter arms mm-hmm. it's just a lot of differences and it fast it's fascinating i mean it really is and especially because they sit they tried saying like 10 years ago oh the yeti doesn't exist like, I forget who said it, but there was some cryptozoological research. I always have somebody that says it doesn't exist. You know what I mean? You're gonna you're always gonna have somebody that agrees and disagrees and you yeah. know believes that's just with anything. But the you biggest know? the biggest thing was is that this was a, a well-renowned cryptozoological explorer and discoverer who and when he said it, it's like people believed him because he was so well known for being in this field and for I mean, oh he, so he would trust his um what he says is that what you're saying that they, they would trust whatever he yeah they, they would trust him because he's in the field like and, and people who, people who believe in cryptids tend to follow like the lauren coleman's of the world who are people who have written books and researched this stuff for decades upon decades mm-hmm but all right i think we'll do one more creature and then we might just call it a night because otherwise we'll never get done because i can go all night talking about cryptids (laughs) (laughs) but and and actually since we've been sticking to american ones i'm going to go to one of my favorites that is in africa and i want to say i gotta look this up but i want to say ethiopia or uh, Eh, I'm not even going to try to say where it's from because it just keeps slipping my mind. But and they, but they call it over there Macaulay Mbembe. And I'm sure you haven't heard of it. Nope. I can ask my South African friend though. I'm sure she has, <laughs> but not me. But basically what it's supposed to be is like a living dinosaur. There's, there's a lake. I, uh, 
I gotta look up where this thing's from. I every week I do this and I'm like, I know I used to know the country, but there's a lake in this country that's huge. And there have been that I don't want to say thousands, but hundreds upon hundreds of reports from African people and from people from America who went over there looking for it, that this is a prehistoric creature living in this lake and it comes up and it eats once in a while, then it goes back in the water and it goes days without being seen. Is uh, it one of the, has, has it been like taken quite on camera and anything like that? Like, or no, is it kind of like the Loch Ness monster here and there? And I don't think it has been caught on camera at all because, well, it's Africa and it's not, it's not South Africa. That's like, you know, built up and civilized. It's middle of the jungle Africa, which. Yeah, something like that, I'm sure is prehistoric and I'm sure there's a possibility that it exists. I mean, I, I feel that there's a lot of stuff that's in the ocean that we, we, we don't even know exists that's there. I mean, every now and again, you see them discover uh, a fish they've never seen before or uh, something of that sort. Who's to say that there, there's not a possibility that it, it exists, whatever see, that name is. That, that's, that's why I actually, that's, I mean, well, okay. I love the movie The Meg because, it, I mean, I like the theory they put forth in that movie that there is a layer at the bottom of the ocean that we can't cross because of the pressure in it and that that's where all these creatures sometimes escape from and that's where they've been safe for the last thousands of years like the megalodon i truly believe the megalodon could exist still that's st still alive because they i just saw in the other day in the news they found a there's a 22 foot shark great white shark that is going up and down the coast of uh the east coast of, of the of united states and it was in Massachusetts. That's why I saw it on, it was on the coast of Massachusetts. That's why I saw it in my local news. But, mm -hmm. but if there could be a 22 foot great white out there, who's to say there still can't be a megalodon? Cause there's definitely, I mean, all these whale carcasses that wash up on shores that have these giant, or, huge or ships that are missing in, in the, in the, the uh, triangle. See, it, it, it uh. It always circles back to things, always. But that's the great thing about this world is you can always circle back to other phenomenon and ex one could be the explanation. For explanation. A lot of those, they're missing, you know, and they, they don't know why, so. Well, I mean, that's kind of, I, I liked how they did that in uh, the in the Skull Kong Skull Island. They, how, I liked oh, how. Oh, well, that was how, I like that one. How John, I believe, John Goodman, how he said like i was on that ship as a kid and that was not that was no wave that took it down that was it ends up being godzilla, being godzilla. Mm -hmm. but <clears throat> but um i love <clears throat> i love how the what the heck? okay but yeah it ended up being godzilla and i mean yeah no i don't think there's really a godzilla out there in the ocean I that that's just too far. But I I when I was a kid in these cryptozoological books I read, there would be always one little section about dinosaur sightings in the middle of South American jungles or in the middle of African jungles. And like the picture that always stuck out in my head was a T-Rex in the middle of a jungle. And like I I don't know if I believe a T-Rex is still around because I believe someone would have saw that and said something or had video footage of it 
it would have been like Jurassic World. It would have been like Jurassic Park too, but. It might be in the land of the lost at the bottom of the volcano. I mean. <laughs> center of the earth. I, I, he, yeah, that's a whole nother theory that where I, oh, I, I, I actually just heard recently something about, I forget where it was, but there was something about the government's protecting Antarctica. And like, if you go to Antarctica. Yeah, I heard something like that too. Like at, I heard something recently that there's guards like from every nation, almost every big nation, like posted up at Antarctica, like the UN has a national, has a UN guard there in Antarctica preventing people from traveling into it. And it makes you want, wonder why. Why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is probably bullshit completely but i saw an article on facebook there that it popped up but i didn't even read it because because i've seen these articles before and they're usually like the old uh papers you can buy at like gas stations the inquirer and stuff but it was like the title was like time traveler time traveler can't sp- speaks up and says that in the next month or two the ground will open up and there will be creatures coming out of it and i read the title and i was just like like i was almost going to share it to the paranormal the normal facebook group but i was just like i can't that's just gonna make my group my group look ridiculous because i doubt this article is anything serious i mean i i have a hard time believing in time travel i just really do as much as i wish it existed like everybody else so we can go back and fix our past mistakes i believe it's my it might be possible i believe oh i truly believe it's possible but i don't think we discovered the science yet to actually I think we have. I think we have. We just don't know it. We we haven't been told about it. Well, I I can believe that. I mean that part I can believe that part that the government figured it out and they just don't wanna say yet, like, oh, this is truly possible, because then every every Bob and Sally is gonna want to be like, all right, I'm going back to high school to fix the freaking mistakes I made as a high school kid. Mm-hmm. I know I would, but <laughs> Don't do that, you dumbass. Get away from her. But storm over by you? I thought I saw lightning behind you. Oh yeah. It's pouring here. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had one too earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's been teasing us all day, but this is the big one. They had a they had a tornado uh drop down here in my in my town too. One New- of the, uh... Oh yeah, New Jersey. New Jersey. Well, yeah, we get tornadoes up here too once in a while. Rarely, but it happens. Trees down and stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, we well, we get hurricanes more because we're by the ocean. But well, New Jersey okay. is—I mean, New Jersey is too. But I guess it depends where in New Jersey. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I'm where I live currently is like two hours away from the ocean. But oh, okay, we, we, but I can still smell the ocean in the air sometimes. So mm-hmm. it's just—I mean, you know, water cycle and all that science. Mm-hmm. But but so dinosaurs living in the Amazon and dinosaurs living in the african jungle i can't think of the name of the moment (laughs) but or even in the asian jungles who knows i mean maybe they are coming through these i mean i truly do believe what they what they used in the new kong and godzilla verse the whole hollow earth theory i can believe that that would almost make Mm -hmm. sense because you have rakes or pale crawlers as they're called you have dinosaur sightings including multiple sightings of pterodactyls over the last 30, 40 years, even late, even further back to the 1800s, 
there are sightings of pterodactyl-like creatures, especially really? especially out west. I mean, one of the most one, the story of that that sticks out the most to me, and it was on. I want they they did a segment on on monsters and mysteries in America back on Destination America channel back in the day, and it was basically a eight nine year old boy was picked up in his front lawn while playing by a pterodactyl-like creature with multiple parents in the neighborhood witnessing it and trying to shoot at and stop the, the creature. What happened to the child? Eventually, it got, eventually the creature dropped it because I think it got shot too many times. And it just said, screw this, I'm out of here. But I, I'll, go, I'll, go find, I'll, I'll go in the desert find it easier. But I mean, there's just been so many sightings. I mean, yes, no one's saying, oh, I've seen a brontosaurus. I've seen a T-Rex. I've seen an allosaurus. Like, no one's saying that. At least that I've heard of, but I mean, it maybe no one's going venturing far enough into the Amazon because there are still huge portions of the Amazon that no human eyes have seen, sure. a, except for natives, and they're not talking to us. There's still tons of natives that don't talk to other humans. Yeah, yeah. There was a story documentary, I think, a couple of years ago. A guy was going over there to try and bring them into this world and they, i think he got killed by them they murdered him yeah because they don't oh i don't blame them why would they want to be brought into this world all they have mm -hmm. to do is look at facebook for a day and say screw this we're going back to our world i mean at least that's the way i think because the world yeah. the world's becoming a circus it's crazy crazy yeah. world but yeah i mean so dinosaurs existing i'd give it a and I actually, I actually like doing this scale. I might make this a regular thing, but <laughs> I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 on my believability scale. Exactly what I was going to say. Depending on which dinosaur you're talking about, about an 8 out of 10. I just mean dinosaurs overall. I'm not going to start naming different dinosaurs because, yes, if you say a T-Rex still exists, I'm going to probably say, yeah, that's like a 3 out of 10 believability, but okay. But I mean, then again, when I... When I was a kid, I used to have the craziest dreams that a T-Rex was chasing me around the outside of my house and that I'd have to like, I'd be in my house hiding and the eye would be looking in the windows, like trying to find me. But I think that was right after Jurassic Park came out. So it probably was nightmares based on that. I think that was when the second one came out and it was the, the, the dinosaur in New York City because I live so close to New York City, I thought it could happen to me. <laughs> but I've actually talked about that in this podcast before, but... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, dinosaurs existing is just, and for my stepson's sake, because he's a huge dinosaur nut, I, I hope they do exist so he can see one one day. There you go. Hopefully from a safe distance and not being chased by one, but we'll see. I'll take a triceratops or a brontosaurus, please. No meat eaters. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I guess that's where we'll end this night since we are getting close to two hours at this point. So, Hi. I know time flies when you're having fun talking about cryptids. Yeah. So I'll let I'll let you take the honors and go first. Where can people find you if they want to hear your stuff, or if they want to find out more about you, or try to get you on their podcast? If you'd like to find out more about me, you can go to author a u t h o r Eleanor e l e a n o r Wagner. W-A-G-N-E-R.com, authoreleanorwacker.com. You can find everything there from my books to my podcasts to the footage that we've got in my investigations. Um, it's all on the website at the different links because I have 
galleries of pictures from the different books. So you can just click on the galleries and go there as well. There's events, you can click on those. Um, if you'd like to reach me though, you can get me at authoreleanorwagnail.com. Okay, and I will be sure to, I'm actually going to link that into the show notes, of course, so that people can just click on the show notes and go to your website as well. And I am also, I'm good, as everybody will know, by the time stuff drops, I've been dropping teasers of different episodes of your shows, just so that people can get a little preview of who you are before I talk to you. And that way, hopefully you can get a few more subscribers as well, because that's always a good thing. And as all my guests know, who listen to this show regularly, but for those who don't, you could find me as at Juggalo Bastard on Twitter and Instagram. And yes, that name does derive from my other podcast I'm on called Bracket Bastards, a pop culture bracket slash tournament podcast that is a lot of fun to that me and my friends do. But feel free to check us out there. I know most of my fans of this show are from that show already. So, but hopefully in the future, it'll work both ways. And you can find me as Jeremy Bryant on Facebook. And you could also find me in the Paranormal, the New Normal fan group, which I hope to expand greatly. I've been posting it to every social media to try to get people to join so they can see previews of everybody that's going to be on my show and so that they, people who are on my show can feel free to post things on there about new things they're doing so that it's the kind of community. And I thank you for, turn, for joining us once again, listeners, as we go to the other side and talk about things that are becoming slowly the new normal. And I will see you next week. Check out the Facebook group for a preview of who's going to be on next week.